Father, we cannot overstate the truth of that song, for we do not have physical life without your enablement. Every breath that we have is a gift from you. We do not have eternal life without, Father, your gift through your Son. And so, Father, we come into your presence this morning. We have gathered in your house, and we look to you. We need to hear from you. And so, Father, I pray that your word could just go forth with power and conviction by your spirit. And, Father, I pray and ask for your enablement. I need you. I, I cannot preach and I dare not try without your enablement. And so I pray that you would guide me. I pray that you would loose these lips and, Father, unhinge this tongue and help me to preach my heart out for you. I pray for your people. I pray for us to have hearts ready to receive the truth implanted. Lord God, I pray for your favor. I pray for your blessing right now upon your word. Just speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. He was a mountain man from the south. He was a folk hero, a soldier. He was also a politician. He was born in 1786 and would die at the age of 50 in 1836. They made a TV series about his life in the 1950s and revived it in the 1960s. But he was best known for one thing and one thing in particular. He was best known for wearing a coonskin cap. And uh, there have been poems and songs written about him. Here's part of one. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, the green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree. Killed him a bear when he was only three. Well, I didn't say it was all factual. Last line, sing it with me. Ready? Davy, Davy Crockett. King of the wild frontier. Well, Davy Crockett hailed from the state of Tennessee. We got any native Tennesseans in here? Anybody? We had some in the first service. And to this day, Tennessee is known as the volunteer state. Even the University of Tennessee sports teams are known as the volunteers. And you can trace the history of the volunteer, that name, back to the war of 1812. The U.S. declared war against Great Britain for interfering with trade relations with France, and then-President James Madison called on Tennessee to help defend the lower country. And you would say, well, what was the lower country? That was the Mississippi area and Florida area there. And Tennesseans volunteered en masse. Upwards of 20,000 men volunteered from that state. Davy Crockett was the most famous of those, Tennessee, of those volunteers. He served in the 2nd Regiment of Tennessee Volunteer Mounted Riflemen, re-enlisted for six months as part of the Battalion of the Volunteer Mounted Gunmen. And I know what some of you are thinking, I can't look at him the whole time if he's going to wear that and preach. <laughs> so I, I'm taking it off, calm down, I'm not going to wear it the whole time, okay? Now you may say, well, what is a volunteer? The definition of a volunteer is a person who freely offers to take part in a task, project, or responsibility. It's a person who performs a service willingly and without pay. Volunteers have been of vital importance in the history of our nation and the protection of our nation. Volunteers have been of vital importance in the history of the church down through the ages and really the furtherance of God's work. The church can't function without volunteers. The church falters without volunteers. The church is susceptible without volunteers. And it struggles without you as a volunteer. You are needed for the work of God. That is why he has given you spiritual gifts, talents. You are valuable to the work of God. Never underestimate 
how valuable you are in importance to God's work. Never underestimate the value of a single volunteer. We're going to learn that this morning in the book of Nehemiah. And I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. And in chapter 11, all the way through chapter 12, we really see the value of the volunteer. And we're just going to start at the very beginning of Nehemiah 11. But I want to give you a little background. And, and for some of you, you know it. The, the building project has come to a close. They, they've reestablished the walls and they've raised up the gates. But there's really one big problem. The city is like empty. There's a vacancy sign that sits in front of the wall of Jerusalem. Nobody lives in there just about. We read in Nehemiah 7.4, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and houses were not built. So numerically, the city was at a major disadvantage. They were susceptible to attack, and the city of Jerusalem would never be strong for the glory of God if it remained mostly deserted and uninhabited. They needed volunteers. They needed volunteers to move into the city with their families and populate the city and garden and help it flourish again to bring back the former glory of the city of God, Jerusalem. They built it, and now they needed to fill it. We've built it, and now we what? We need to fill it. And not just on Sunday with seats, but all through the week with different ministries taking place for the glory of God. In chapter 11 of Nehemiah, we learn some important lessons about the value of a volunteer. And I'll be tying this in with some other scriptures that also mention the word volunteer. And I preach from the New American Standard. And so if you have a version that doesn't use the term volunteer, understand that is what is understood in the verses that I will look at. But for right now, Nehemiah chapter 11, follow along as I read in your Bibles, verse 1 and verse 2. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem... But the rest of the people cast lots to bring, out, uh, bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. When it comes to the value of a volunteer, the first thing we learn is this. Leaders need to lead. Leaders need to lead, and the leaders did lead. It says in verse 1, the leaders of the people lived there. These were the same leaders that had humbled themselves before God and publicly signed the document, renewing their commitment to God, and they were showing their commitment by living in that city. The leaders modeled this, and Jerusalem was busted and broken up and now recently repaired, and someone needed to make the first move. Leaders need to make the first move, and they did. They left the comfort of their homes. They left their land outside the city. And they moved into this mostly empty space. When leaders lead, it motivates people to volunteer and serve. When leaders lead, it encourages commitment and confidence among the people of God. We see this in the Song of Deborah in the book of Judges, the commemoration of the victory over the Philistines. Judges 5, 1 and 2. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered. You have teamwork. Leaders were leading, people were volunteering. Bless the Lord. You see it in Judges 5, 9 as well. My heart goes out to the commanders, that's the leaders of Israel, the volunteers among the people. The leaders were leading, the people were volunteering. Bless the Lord. So oppression and defeat gave way to victory. Why? Because the leaders were leading and the people were volunteering. 
And the people courageously volunteering made the difference. Volunteers bring victory. It is you that bring victory to the work of God. It is the volunteers that make the difference in the ministry of God. And they remember the volunteers in this song. Listen to Deborah's sensitivity. She doesn't just pay tribute to the leaders. They remember the volunteers. You don't just play, pay tribute to the leaders. You remember the people behind the scenes that make it happen. Remember the sacrifices that they have made. We see this in another scripture. We see it with King Jehoshaphat and a man named Amasiah. Jehoshaphat, we read in 2 Chronicles 17, was a good and godly king. He took pride in the ways of the Lord and he assigned leaders to teach the word of God and the Lord blessed him. Men of Judah followed him. And 2 Chronicles 17, 16, or verse 12 says this. So Jehoshaphat grew greater and greater. He built fortresses and store cities in Judah and he had large supplies in the cities of Judah and warriors, valiant men in Jerusalem. This was their muster according to their father's households of Judah, commanders of thousands. Verse 16. And next to him, Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord, and with him, how many? 200,000 valiant warriors. So you have a good godly king, a leader leading. And then you have this man, Amasiah, saying, I'm getting behind, I'm volunteering. And 200,000 warriors as well. Good leaders motivate people to volunteer. When it comes to volunteers, leaders need to lead. Secondly, when it comes to volunteers, People need a push. Verse 1, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in the other cities. So not everyone was gung-ho. It'd be like me telling you, you're comfortable in the suburbs, now I want you to move into the city of Chicago. I'm not too sure about that, Pastor. Well, you've got to understand, they're in the same situation. They had been exiles who came back to the land of their ancestry. So, so they're living out in the towns and villages around Jerusalem. They've built homes. They are farming their lands. They're raising families. They form friendships. They've gotten comfortable. It's hard to move when you get comfortable. They needed a push. They needed a little nudge. Some of you here this morning, you've gotten very comfortable. You need a little push. You need a nudge. Some of you, you need a good swift kick in the behind. You, you need a shove. And God is saying, you've been comfortable way too long. It's time to make a change. It's time to listen and serve. It's time to volunteer. It's time to get out of your comfort zone. What did Nehemiah and the people do? They decided to tithe. Not money. They decided to tithe people. And it says here, one out of ten would move into the city. So it was a fair way of deciding who would move and who would stay. One out of ten would move into the city. Nine out of tens would remain in the, in the burbs. And so they cast lots. And you may say, well, how did they cast lots? Well, it could have been flat stones. They, they put their hand in there and chose a stone out. It could have been sticks of various lengths. I mean, we see the same thing happen today. Every football game on TV will have a picture of a ref doing this. He's going to be flipping a coin to seeing who wins the toss. Who's going who's to elect to receive? Who's going to kick off? Every tennis match, they spin the racket, up or down. You, you win, you serve, or you receive, you choose. Uh, my kids, if I had a job for my kids to do, the first thing I'd say is, who would like to do this? Oh, your kids are like my kids. <laughs> and so my next thing would say to my five children, okay, pick a number between one and ten. 
because I've got it in my head, and the closest one to it, you get to do it. So that's how we would do it. We have examples in Scripture, Proverbs 18, 18. The cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. It can end in argument. Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast in the lap. It's every decision is from the Lord. So sovereignty of God is in place. Whatever happens, heads or tails, so be it. Whoever draws that straw, so be it. We're going to trust God with this. Important decisions in the early church were decided this way. With Judas's replacement in Acts 1.26, they drew lots for them and fell to Matthias, who was added to the 11 apostles. Came down to trusting God and his sovereignty. And that's what the people did. They said, we're going to cast lots out of this group of 10. So be it. I'll go. The other nine will stay. Now, I want you to notice here. It says here, the rest of the people cast lots, one out of 10, to live in Jerusalem, the holy city. The focus was not on losing. The focus was on winning. Who got the privilege to go into Jerusalem? Who got the honor to go into Jerusalem? Who got the blessing to go into Jerusalem? Volunteering is never about losing. Volunteering is about being a winner. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. You're given the privilege to serve a high and holy God. You're given the blessing to be involved in that ministry. You don't look at it begrudgingly. You look at it as a privilege to serve your God, the holy God. This was no ordinary city. This was the city of the great king. King David, King Solomon after him, his son. This was the city of the coming Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who will return and rule and reign from Jerusalem on this planet. You have a privilege to serve him. It is a blessing to serve him. You have the honor of serving him. Volunteering for God also meant responsibility. For them to live in the holy city of a holy God, meant for them to live a holy life. Understand, you serve a holy God in this, his house. And we are called to be children of holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15. Let's say it together. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Stop there. What behavior in your life right now is not holy. He says it needs to stop. It needs to change. No more excuses. I am a holy God and I have called you to holiness. Because it is written, say it with me, you shall be holy for I am holy. When it comes to volunteers, leaders need to lead. When it comes to volunteers, people sometimes need a push. When it comes to volunteers, verse 2, you're an absolute blessing from God. That's what a volunteer is. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Many commentators believe that this is an entirely different group than those who were chosen by Lot. Entirely different group. These are individuals and families who didn't wait to be chosen by Lot. They went on their own accord. They decided to pick up and move into the holy city. Bless the volunteers who don't have to be pushed, who don't have to be begged, who don't have to be reminded all the time to show up and do what they're supposed to do. 
Bless the volunteers who, who make the first move to sign up and serve. Bless you who don't have to be asked to serve. You volunteer. Bless you who don't have to constantly be reminded you're on the schedule. Bless you because your heart is so engaged in serving your God. Bless you. Be the volunteer like this kind of volunteer. They knew people were urgently needed, so they changed their schedule and they changed their lives. They volunteered not to seek what was in it for them, but what was in it for God and the furtherance of his work. When you and I volunteer, we don't ask what's in it for us. We ask what is in it for God? What is in it for the work of God? What is in it for the people of God? You don't volunteer selfishly, but selflessly. And that's what they were doing. They caught the vision. They made the sacrifice. They got out of their comfort zone. They took the risk. They trusted God. They filled the need. And that's what blessed volunteers do. They catch the vision. They make the sacrifice. They get out of their comfort zone. They take the risk. They trust God. They fill the need. That's God's exhortation to you and me. What? To catch the vision, to make the sacrifice, to get out of your comfort zone and take the risk and trust God and fill the need. We bless the people for doing that. Be a blessed volunteer. The response is overwhelming in verse 2. All and the people blessed all the men. They, they said, may God's favor rest upon you. May God's blessing rest upon you. May God's incredible favor just rest upon you and your family for what you have done. Do you understand? When you volunteer for God, you're inviting the blessing of God from other people. Bless you who serve God. I pray God's favor rest upon you. I thank you on God's behalf of giving of your time and your effort and your money and your energy. May God's favor rest upon you and his blessing rest upon you. There's appreciation and admiration for their influence. Because of them, the city is growing and going again. Because of them, the glory of God is being restored to the holy city of Jerusalem again. And lots of volunteers, all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem, there's all kinds of volunteers. All you have to do is look at the remainder of chapter 11, verse 3 through 36, and chapter 12, 1 through 26, and you see hundreds and hundreds of names listed out of volunteers. It teaches us to appreciate individuals, not just the masses. God honors the volunteers by name in his holy word. Name after name after name after name. God has them written down in holy scripture, preserved for all eternity. God knows your name. God knows the work you've done. And God takes note of it. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust so as to forget your name. He says, it would be unjust of me to forget what you've done. I'm not unjust. I'm not unjust to forget the love which you've shown as well toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Volunteers make the difference. Today, 45,000 people signed up to run a little race in Chicago. What is it? 
the Chicago Marathon. So if you look around this morning and you don't see somebody who's usually here, just assume they're running the Chicago Marathon. And you can tell them that later this week or today when you see them. You weren't in church today. Pastor said you were probably running the Chicago Marathon. 45,000 people sign up to run that race. I've run that race a few times. It's awesome. Just the crowds, the people, the energy. Boom. It takes 12,000 volunteers to put it on. 12,000 volunteers who are not paid. They man the aid stations, passing out water. They sweep up the cups. They're at the finish line, putting medals on people's necks, handing bananas out and other water and things. They're at the starting line. They're at the expo, handing things out. 12,000 volunteers for 45,000 or so to run it. I want you to understand, it takes a lot of volunteers to run ministries. How, how many of you ladies were here Thursday night? You laughed till it hurt with Anita Renfro. I mean, as she said, there was an estrogen fog in this place, okay? We had volunteers all over the place. I drove up to here just to get a sneak peek. My wife said, come on out, you need to see this. There was not a parking spot anywhere on the entire property. Cars were parked all over the ring rows. First thing I thought of, man, I hope we have some parking attendants. Guys were all over the place. Just signaling where parking, they did an incredible job. They, they volunteered in the cafe. We had people all over the cafe. We had ushers. We had greeters. That couldn't happen without volunteers. It doesn't happen without volunteers. The tech people can't happen without volunteers. Sundays at Harvest, there's 300 or more people on a Sunday overseeing all the ministries in this church, from nursery to classrooms to teaching to ushers to greeters to those worshiping and leading us in worship to those in the tech, those in the cafe, those parking, all over the place. It's like Gideon's 300. The army is here giving victory to God, volunteering. Never underestimate the importance of a volunteer. And by the way, there'll, there'll be a whole group of people, 40 or more people joining the church after this service. That's a lot of people volunteering saying, we want to become a part of this family. Now, just to let you know that, with their children, it's like 50-some people joining the church. Some of you need to hear this. 19 years ago, we had about 60 people in this church worshiping. God is doing a work, and to him be the glory. Amen. God is good. But what an encouragement when we see a whole group of people say, I want to unite with this church. Just their presence is powerful reminder of God's blessing. That's what was happening in Jerusalem. Never underestimate the importance of just being physically present. Just showing up. Some of you need to understand just showing up. What it does to encourage other believers. Just show up. That step of faith and that step of obedience. Volunteers are a blessing from God and to the Lord. Back to Deborah's song of victory in Judges 5. The leaders led in Israel, the people volunteered, bless the Lord. Verse 9, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the people, bless the Lord. Literally, the word praise is literally verb bless. So if you have a translation praise, it means to bless. The volunteers are a blessing from God and a blessing to God. You make the difference. You are a blessing from God when you volunteer. You are a blessing to God when you volunteer. You enable and encourage and empower the work of God. Volunteers are a refreshment from heaven. In Psalm 110, it's as if David hears a conversation between the Messiah and God the Father. 
And it centers around the Messiah's coming to rule and reign. In Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your, for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And then verse 3, your people will what? Volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are as to you as the dew. What's going on is God's children recognize God's power. And when you recognize the all-powerful creator, God, King of kings and Lord of lords, you are so motivated to say, serve him. Serve the all-powerful one. For some of you here today, the reason you don't serve is you've gotten your eyes off the King of kings and Lord of lords. You've gotten your eyes off God in his coming glory as King of kings and Lord of lords, the one with all power. And this is a call to rally to his side, to say, God, I volunteer. I put my coonskin cap on. I come to your side. You are the all-powerful God. Who else should I serve but him alone? When it comes to volunteers, leaders need to lead, people need to push. You're an absolute blessing. Verse 2, the faithful follow through. The faithful follow through. The people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. They're a blessing because they did what they said they do. And there's all kinds of people doing various duties. Again, if you look at chapter 11 and chapter 12, there's heads of provinces and priests and Levites and gatekeepers and temple servants and song leaders, and the list goes on. Follow through on what you said you do. Deuteronomy 23, 23. You shall be careful to perform what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised. The context is finances, but the truth is across the board. You volunteered for that? Follow through. Keep your word. When it comes to volunteers, the faithful follow through. And when it comes to volunteers, verse 2, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Now, you, you may be here this morning and you may say, well, I really don't like to volunteer and I really don't want to volunteer. Well, then this video is for you. shallow Christian. Churches are filled with shallow, selfish Christians. Volunteer and do your best at it for the glory of God. In this passage, we hear no whining. We hear no complaining. We hear no griping. 
We presume there's an eagerness to fulfill the plan of God and a gladness to meet the needs of the city and an excitement to do their part and honor the Lord and be a part of the holy city of God and the holy work of God. And you may say, well, that's an argument by silence. Well, may I remind you that God is never afraid to record the whining of his people in Scripture. And it's all over Scripture. You can see it, and you can listen to the moaning, like in the book of Numbers, when, when God, you know, put him to the test, and did you just lead us out into the wilderness to kill us, and, and all we have is this manna, and we want to go back to Egypt. Uh, come on. We're told in Scripture to serve without complaining. We see that example in 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. In other words, give without grumbling and serve without sneering and help without harping and care without criticizing. In other words, obey Philippians 2.14. Let's say it together. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And that includes volunteering. That includes serving. We have New Testament reminders for those in ministry in 1 Corinthians 9.16 and 17. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. Volunteers need to follow through whether you feel like it or not. That's what Paul says. Whether voluntarily or against my will, I have a stewardship. Serve voluntarily and you have a reward. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, I exhort the elders, that's the pastors, the bishops, the overseers among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. Oh, do I have to do this? But voluntarily, according to the will of God, to serve and volunteer, not out of pressure, not from compulsion, but to serve and volunteer out of pleasure. The pleasure of doing God's will, the pleasure of knowing it's God's will. That's what it says here. But voluntarily, according to the will of God. Listen, when you know it's the will of God, it makes all the difference. When you serve God, when you volunteer for God, and you know this is God's will, it makes all the difference. It makes it a delight and not a drudgery. And it keeps us from excuses and it keeps us from quitting. You need to understand this is God's will. And I am doing the will of God, the holy God, for his glory. And that makes volunteering worth it. So when it comes to volunteers and the value of volunteers, say it with me. Leaders need to lead. People need to push. You're an absolute blessing. The faithful follow through, and attitude is everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your word is very clear. And I ask that we would be the people that understand what it means to volunteer unto you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As believers in Jesus Christ, just talk to the Lord right now if you know the Lord. Maybe you just need to confess a bad attitude. Just do that now. Maybe it's understanding God's will and redoubling your efforts to be faithful to what he's called you to volunteer to. 
Maybe it's looking at that list in your bulletin and saying, Lord, what can I do for you? Show me, teach me, guide me. Maybe it's being somebody that doesn't have to be asked all the time, but saying, God, I want to serve on my own free will. I just want to volunteer. Be that person. Maybe right now you need to thank God for that person who's volunteering in the nursery, changing your kid's diaper. Thank God for that teacher helping your child memorize that Bible verse and sharing Bible stories. Thank God for that Awana leader, that youth leader, that small group leader, ABF teacher. The people who handed you that coffee this morning, thank God for them. They're not being paid for that. That's ministry. For those men out in the parking lot, person who handed you a bulletin, thank God for those. Those who led us in worship, Thank God for them. Ask God's blessing on them and be the blessing. Talk to God about that. Eyes are closed and heads are bowed. You may be here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. The greatest act of volunteering was by the Lord Jesus Christ when he went on that cross for you and me when he died for your sins and he died for my sins. You may say, Scott, I need forgiveness for my sins. I need God in my life. What do I do? In the quietness of this moment, I want to invite you to call out to God in faith right now. Just use words like these. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Please forgive me for all my sin. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you've called out to the Lord this morning, we'd love to know about that decision. One way you can do that is if you just open up your bulletin. If everybody just opens your bulletin, there's a little perforated tear-off section. You can write your name in there and mark one of those boxes. And you can place it in the offering plate as it goes by or hand that to myself or one of the ushers, the greeters. But let us know you've made a decision for Christ. Um, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this time to worship you, to give back to you. And Father, we volunteer these gifts for you are worthy of our praise. In your name, amen.